Welcome to the Lost and Own Podcast. My name is Scott. I'm Jeremiah. And we are back for a very special episode. This is an interview week, Jer. This is the Halloween proper... Uh, this is the, this is us uh, rounding out Halloween month in the best possible way, uh, which we're going we're gonna to tell you all about, all about what's going on Halloween proper. In fact, you might be listening to this on Halloween itself or maybe the night before, depending on when I put this up. Yes, Halloween month is unfortunately over, but we still will talk about horror and all this awesome stuff anyway. But what a way to go out, Scott. Yeah, we've uh, we more than teased who the guest is. We flat out said it, I think, a week ago, or maybe two hey, weeks remember ago. When we, remember when I teased you by fucking you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we do have James Jude Courtney on the show, Michael Myers from Halloween, Halloween Kills, and yep. what's the last one going to be Halloween called? Ends. Halloween Ends. Yes, which is, so, uh, I believe, commences, I don't think we talked about... Much of that because it hasn't commenced shooting, but I know no. uh, it's supposed to in January of 2022. Last I checked, that was according to David Gordon Green as of August of 2021. So, Mar- I mean, that obviously could change. Who, who the heck knows what's going on with everything? But, you know, we're supposed to get Halloween ends for next Halloween. Perfect. And yeah. we hopefully, hopefully we'll be talking to Mr. James Jude Courtney for a third time, round out the trilogy proper. Hopefully. Now, uh, the show proper itself is a show about weird news stories, and we take those weird news stories and we twist them into content, whether it's movie ideas, comic book ideas, TV series, it doesn't matter what it is, we generate new content out of the wacky and the weird in the world of news. Yeah. But when we don't do that, we do interviews, which is what you're getting this week after we give you our spooky movie picks for the week. That's right. I'm going to actually start off with a uh, movie I decided to rent because I'd been waiting for it for a long time. It's called The Night House. Uh, it dropped, I don't know, probably not even a month ago on uh, uh, various VOD platforms, and it was definitely worth the wait and worth the money. It was the um, uh, by the director, David Bruckner, who also directed the, one of my favorite Netflix original horror movies, The Ritual, and written by uh, the two people, I can't remember their names right now, but the two people who wrote the movie Super Dark Times, which was one of my favorite movies uh, of the time when that came out as a really good, almost like true crime Both are thriller. really great movies. Amazing. So I was like, oh, I heard these two people, well, three people, were doing a movie together. And I was like, okay, that that could be awesome, but I don't want to get my hopes up too high. This matched my expectations. It's a little bit occult. It's a little bit uh, cosmic. It's a little bit haunted house. And it is all bit, uh, I actually legit got creeped out. It's a lot of great atmosphere. It's essentially, it's really one person just stealing the show for an actor. Um, and she does a great job at it. But uh, I won't give too much away because it, it is kind of a keep you thinking but not in one of those annoying like twisty ways it's just you, you you you're learning about you're getting the information as she is so it's bringing you along the story nice. well worth it check out the night house uh before i give my movie pick yes. i would like to give a one-off because we never do this in the show uh scary video game halloween pick oh nice uh i never get scared by movies anymore i think i'm totally desensitized i, I always i was that's why i was surprised to get a couple of like little like cr- like I got a couple of tingles up my spine. I'm like, oh, that's big for me. That, that's but why like, I was th- thinking of this. I, I, the closest thing that I got was probably like to, like cr- like 
spooked scared was when Host came out, but that had a lot to do with the atmosphere and the, the times yep. that it came out. Yep. But the one thing that will fuck me up that I actually have a hard time playing, but I want to so badly, a good scary video game makes me think I'm worried I'm actually going to get a heart attack sometime. So, <laughs> so uh, lay that on me. I don't know if I'll ever play it, but I really am. Oh, you probably wouldn't because it's not your genre per se, but it is the uh, Call of Duty Online game Warzone. Oh, yes. Okay. Which is the Battle Royale So it's horror, game. but that's like fun horror. It's not going to scare me. Actually. They basically yes. just came out with a game mode for the holiday season called Ghosts of Verdansk. Uh, the whole game yes. is shrouded in mist. It's open world and... You start getting paranoid as you play, and you start having hallucinations. Ooh, that's pretty and cool. And those hallucinations, I've played the game for hours now, and have never seen the same one more than twice, ever. And that's even rare to see a duplicate one. Yeah. And I have legit dropped my controller, scared, at some of them. Sweet. Like, awesome. I, I got, something has happened in the game, and I've been like, what the fuck? And just, like, threw my controller on the floor and, like, backed yeah. up. Like, it scares the shit out of you. And there's actually a warning before it saying, this game mode has... Uh, Strobing lights, yep. moments of extreme the, scariness, the epileptic et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's like it has a big warning on the screen before you jump in anyone, and you have to opt in to the match. Sweet. That's it actually cool. has an okay or a cancel button as to whether you just still want to yeah, go you in and shit play. And piss your pants a little, little And I, when little I read person. that, I was like, ha, ha, ha. And then I played it. It was like, all right, nope, this works. This Legit. is for real. That's sweet, man. I, I, I got uh, uh, Outlast. and um, That's a good one. And I, I got like 15 minutes into it, and I about shit myself. Yeah, that's like, a good scary game. Because I'm like, you're, you're, because you, it's all about what you hear, and not like, so you're like going through. Plus, the, the little, flashlight is how you see the game, yeah, and yeah. you and run of course, out of flashlight but, batteries. Yeah, and like, and you can all you can hear is something about like coming up God, behind you. you finish in the that deck. game. Oh yeah, that's the thing is I loved it, but I was like, oh shit, I can't. And some of the Resident Evils fucking scared the shit out of yeah. me. Like when they're coming Atlas out, Atlas is a good no, scary. No. Atlas is a good scary game. It's, it creeped the shit out of me, and I so I've got both of them. Right, Atlas, Atlas two. I think they're just two of them, but like, um, yeah creepy so uh my horror pick is actually a very simple one because of the topic of the show yeah uh we both watch halloween kills and i gotta say i loved it i had i enjoyed the shit out of it i know it's you know it's gotten mixed reviews from certain people and or certain uh places but at the same time i always just wonder what the fuck they're expecting granted i know like there's some subtleties and in, in great stuff for the first halloween i mean halloween 2018 i mean that paid homage to the first one and really showed a lot of respect and this one definitely feels like more of a straight slasher but one it's the bridge movie it's supposed to take us like it, it's it, it's this is like you know this what is the I apex wish, of his killing spree it, essentially yes, it's essentially what i wished jason take takes manhattan was like i, I was hoping jason was going to be in manhattan just slashing through people this is like walking just, down the street yeah, like, like 29th street yeah just freaking machete in each hand he does like a little dance oh yeah oh and, 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 and this, people on broadway actually be cool if they did that like a real jason takes manhattan when they can finally make movies of, of uh, friday the 13th again and they do a real one where it's him walking down but it's met us because people know the, the movies exist so we think he's just one of those like costume characters oh yeah like, uh, in Times Square yeah. but he's actually just like a minion or Spider-Man yeah yeah and there's just like Jason with a real machete anyway yeah Halloween Kills I, I enjoyed the shit of it I went in hoping for some great great kills I will say it's about the most killy that, uh, His body count is enormous, yep. and, and, think, and the, the, the kills got some clever, real slasher kills in there. And I think the uh, the problem some people might have with it is uh, the original Halloween had zero blood, and this has a shit ton. Yes, and it starts going a little bit towards that superhuman aspect, which a was more never, Jason, which yeah. was never not in these movies. The yes. first Halloween, he gets shot multiple times, falls out a window, walks away. Yes, like it, he's always been supernatural. Yes. Yeah. They're, well, they're, I mean, it's. I mean, even. I know they explained they, they, in the H two O verse that it was a witch's curse. Do you remember oh, that? I, I do. I have to rewatch. Yeah, he was. He was cursed movies. as a little boy by I think it was a coven of witches or a cult. Was that that was and in they, the uh, that they, was in the follow up to the the the. That's the H two O verse. 
Yes, in other words, not Yashio proper, but the one that came bef- both of them. The yes. Buster Rhymes one and the one before. Okay, it. I wasn't sure. I was, I was like, I don't remember them doing that in the HTO version. But maybe the one with LL Cool J, and then the one with Buster Rhymes, the rapper verse. Oh my god! <laughs> and dude, did those? And please tell me they did have like the deepest blue, deep blue sea kind of rap at the end of it, like Mike Myers coming oh, for I, the day. I have to go, go back to the and day because that was a time when they were definitely doing that. Yeah, back then it was a cult that cursed the little boy, and he had to kill members of his own family to feed the cult the souls. I believe. Okay. They, I mean, gave, actually, they gave it a supernatural aspect to explain I, his super I, I, I actually shit. like that as a, as a standalone story idea. I, I but mean, that's only like that it. only exists in the H two O verse. There's three. By the way, there's three. If count, four technically, if you count the uh, the Halloween season of the witch as uh, four different uh, Halloween verses, I believe. Yeah, I'm gonna rewatch season of the witch. I think tonight or tomorrow. I I, lo- I mean it's it's a. It's a fucking. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I it's, always skip it because it doesn't have Michael Myers. Halloween. So just watch. I mean, just if you just watch the standalone movie, if you hate it's the a Irish as much as me, and you want to see them get their comeuppance <laughs> at the end of the movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. I guess on that note, we might as well get into our interview. Yeah, I mean, we just were talking about Halloween Kills, and we once again have Mr. James Jude Courtney on, who, well, I mean, we can tell you what he's done, but we pretty much have already told you what he's done. And, uh, I mean, he's he's been doing a lot of great things, and obviously the uh, original Halloween, you can go back in 2018 after he came on the show. or we, we uh, Maybe we interviewed him in 2018 or 2019. I think it was 2018. Okay. But go back and look for the first one with James Drew Courtney if you want to uh, hear some of his backstory and stuff. We're not going to touch on that stuff as much again. We're talking more of things going forward and what he, uh, you know, did on uh, the funny he's had on the set of Halloween Kills and what he's looking forward to. So we're going to touch more on that. If you want to hear more of his backstory, how he got started and all that kind of stuff, check out our first interview. We're not going to uh, tread the same waters because he's got a lot to talk about and you, uh, we're, we're, we had a great time chatting with him. You know what? When this uh, when this drops and it goes up on our website as well under the news section, if anyone wants to go to the Lost podcast.com and look up the show uh, under news or on the front page I'll uh, I'll provide a link to the previous episode too sweet that way, uh, people could listen to them back to back on the website if yeah. they wanted. Yeah, get get the full James Jude Courtney dose, and then uh, next year you can listen to the full Roundabout trilogy. You always got to catch up on the previous ones when you you know start it. So yeah, we're gonna go right on in and talk to James Jude Courtney. Welcome to the show, James. It's uh, great to have you back. Uh, great to be back, guys. I hope you're doing well after the craziness of all this pandemic. Yeah, we're we're actually going to touch on some of that because obviously some things have changed since the last time we chatted. No, no, <laughs> yeah, we we last chatted to you, of course. Uh, people who may be listening to us uh, for the first time or just listening to this, uh, or you're discovering uh, who you are for the first time based on this podcast. Uh, you uh, took over the role of the shape in the uh, Halloween. I don't want to call it a reboot because it was a direct sequel to the original. Um, but in 2018, and of course, some things put some uh, release dates on hold. But you are back for Halloween Kills, of course. And uh, we've watched the movie. We absolutely love it. We uh, are so happy that you were able to come back for this second installment to chat about uh, a lot of the things that have gone, has gone on in the world today, for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's super excited. I mean, we actually, when uh, we were going to release Halloween Kills uh, last fall, uh, we were all involved in, in conference calls uh, with you know David Gordon Green and Ryan Freeman from Trankus and Ryan Turek from Blumhouse, and we all unanimously agreed to hold off on the release. I mean, we didn't want people getting sick. We didn't want people jeopardizing their health. We didn't know the severity of the pandemic at that point, but we knew that you know. So there was a lot. There were a lot of unknowables, and we really felt that waiting a year was going to be in the best interest of everybody at heart. Yeah, and I was. Uh, we were definitely going to touch on that as well because I was. Uh, that was one of the things I was curious about is um, you know, how unanimous of a decision it was because a lot of the press I've read has definitely been um, you know about Blumhouse, uh, you know, broaching the different uh, 
the topic on with different uh, companies and or, I mean specifically, you know, I believe it was Universal NBC, all, all the, the Peacock app that it uh, uh, launched on. And uh, I, you know, I was I was really curious about what that reception was like because I imagine obviously there's big money at stake. Uh, and I will say now, now that it's actually launched, we can see that uh, big money was not necessarily lost because you all just cleaned up at the box office. But the first Halloween movie, I can see where people are like, oh, we might lose $100 million by going to streaming. But the fact that... yeah, It, 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 it knocked James Bond yes. out of the number one slot yeah. as the top movie in the country yeah. for uh, 007's second week. Yeah, how'd that feel, James? Uh, well, you know... I, I, Courtney, James Courtney. I, what else can I say? I don't know. <laughs> hey, well, the, the, the um, better no, I, James I won. I forgot to actually say, how does that feel for you, James Jude Courtney? Yes, I didn't even think about the fact that I was could have been like, how did that feel, James? Like a mic drop moment. But yes, James, <laughs> how did that feel, James Jude Courtney? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, honestly, I, I, I don't... I, my competitive nature um, is, is, is restricted to sports. Um, I don't feel the need, you know, to compete when I don't feel like I'm competing when I make a movie or when we're releasing. Maybe I had invested, you know, my own twelve million dollars in making this film. I would. Um, but, you know, I know that it, we, we knew that the anticipation was building, building and building and building. So we all felt quite confident that we were going to get a great release. And uh, when Ryan called me, uh, Ryan Turk from Blumhouse called and um Say, so, hey, we're thinking about doing this Peacock release. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's really, really great that Ryan Turek at Blumhouse um, and that Ryan Freeman and Malik Akkad at, at Trankus and that David Gordon Green and Danny McBride um, at, at Roughhouse, they all care about what we think. And we all got to weigh in and they respected our opinions. And, and, it, and it's kind of interesting. We're such a cohesive group of people that we have all come to these decisions unanimously. Um, we all agreed that releasing a Peacock Again, because we're still involved, you know, we're still dealing with COVID. Um, we agreed that it was it was in the best interests of you know the, the fan base that that they be allowed to all see it at the same time. Um, and frankly, we talked about this too. Is um, you know going to the theater, and and some people have seen it in the theater two, three, four, five times. But you know, for other people, seeing it in the theater, getting the experience of the big screen and the audience. And then going home and watching it, streaming it, and looking for all the Easter eggs that David Gordon Green put in there was a really, really good idea. Yeah. Yep. Oh, like the the Bob Odenkirk cameo. Are you familiar? Oh with yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Jer. <laughs> yeah. You knew yeah. about that? Yeah, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I looked online and like I didn't catch it myself. Oh I'm no, not, I did not, not catch clever. that in the movie when yes. I was watching it. But after I read about it, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm, I'm not nearly clever enough. It's it is it is good to to, to hear that you all you know that that there were because when. The second there are there is big money interest at, at heart, you start worrying about what people you know put like public safety or how where they uh, prioritize public safety. Um, I would say uh, one of the things I was curious about uh, even more now that you brought it up, uh, and this is completely off topic from what you just mentioned, and I uh, we will get back to <laughs> we love tangents here. Uh, is there a sport uh, that you think you could just whoop uh, James Bond's ass at? Is there like a specific sport that you're more competitive about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, on a football field, I'd whip his ass. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> the, you hear that, Daniel the, Craig? You play soccer. Yeah, you're, you're, a, you're I, I think you you're know, a larger and, man than Daniel Craig, that's for sure. So I think you could, you could take Well, him. yeah. And, 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 and it's funny uh, because my life partner, uh, Sarah, she went to rugby. She went to the, uh, the boarding school rugby in England. And so she and I had this constant debate about, you know, American football versus rugby and which one is tougher. And I keep trying to explain to her it's different. 
Um, you know, football, American football is a high-speed collision sport. You couldn't possibly hit that hard in rugby. You, right. you just couldn't. I mean, it's, 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 it's bone-jarring. Um, you have to wrap somebody up in rugby. Not to say it's not a tough sport. Those guys are, are 100% men. You know, and the women who played are 100% women. I mean, but uh, actually Sarah played rugby when she was at rugby. Um, and she was also a track and field athlete. But it's just a different sport. You really, it's apples and oranges. You, you can't really compare them. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I'm sorry to derail for a little bit, but I'm glad you actually had that answer at the ready. Cause, uh, so anyway, yeah, we're, we're putting the, uh, I, I mean, I guess. I, I also love hearing that someone played rugby at rugby. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I, I, I could picture like a drunken pub conversation where that goes very awry. Yeah, like it's what do you like do? A, rugby? Where like, rugby? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very who's on first type yes. situation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what was the biggest difference you saw between filming Halloween Kills as opposed to the previous iteration? Were there any uh, like differences in how you approached it and or how it was filmed? Because this one was a little more intensive with action, uh, a little more intensive with uh, what I would call body work. You literally picked people up over your head in this film. Yeah, that's yeah. You were much more physical, <laughs> much more physical. Well, I was prepared for that. I um I. I showed up in the exact same spiritual place that I was when I started 2018. It's really one big film. I mean, Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills is just one like four hour film. Um, so it's just the continuation of the same night. Um, so basically showing up and, you know, I was in the exact same, uh, the, the characters in, it's not, it's nothing I have to think about. Uh, the action, um, was, you know, much more intense and it was a different stunt coordinator. It was Aaron Armstrong this time who was, I think the best guy for the job, he came in with previses, um, which means he shot every action sequence on a red camera with stunt people, with special effects, you know, guns, blown out windows, blood. He set up everything. And then, um, and then he showed those previses and, uh, Tim Alverson, the amazing editor that we have on both those films, uh, said that they were the best previses he'd ever seen. So, um, 
we knew ahead of time what we were going to shoot. David Gordon Green essentially used that choreography, um, you know, blow for blow. And um, then, of course, it was just working out, you know, the, the blocking and the cameras and the angles and the lighting and all that crazy stuff that we have to do. And it was just, it's really intricate. And uh, Aaron brought with him uh, a, a team of just incredibly talented stunt people. Um, they did bring in a double for me. Um, just in case, and his name is Doug Tate, excellent actor uh, and, and stuntman, and um, there's one particular scene where they, they did use him because it was the middle of the show, and um, I was going to, you know, I, I'd climb up on top of the uh, SUV, the Suburban, and everything on top of the Suburban is me, but getting up on it and then jumping off was Doug because they couldn't afford to lose me in the middle of the show and a sprained ankle or sprained knee would have, would have inhibited my ability to do what I do. And sure enough, Doug jumped off the uh, suburban and landed on a dolly track, uh, and sprained his ankle. So, uh, Doug saved the show, man. Wow. That's some good foresight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I get that's just, that's just preparation and, and, oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's, that is just some. Uh, you hear that, theory. Tom Cruise? Stop grabbing planes! Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, dude. Let me tell you, I worked with Tom Cruise on Far and Away, and that man does his own stunts, yeah. and he's he's brilliant. He's he's an incredible athlete. He's still I mean, jumping on planes. We worked with him. <laughs> I know, right? The guy, the, the guy is just he's he's the consummate professional. I, I've got to say, my experience with Tom Cruise was nothing but absolute perfection. I have a lot of respect for that man. What did you uh, do on Far and Away? I was one of the bare knuckled fighters. Oh, and, okay. Um, yeah, you weren't hired. Yeah. You just and showed so, up and started fighting people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, what do you give me a buck? I'll fight. You hey, know Tom I mean? Cruise, Half-fighters, you, you, know? yeah, you pretty boy. Come on, Let's see what you got. <laughs> yeah, actually, that and that show we rehearsed for a month ahead of time. Um, wow. Tom had no fight experience, and really, I, I mean, when we started, he couldn't fight his way out of a wet paper bag, but. <laughs> But every day when we when we we would we started slowly. Each of us, the, the fighters, weighed in on teaching him how to fight. And um, um, Joe Brown, the, the the great old, uh, he was Joe Brown was the technical advisor. Joe Brown's father was a bare knuckle fighter back in the day. Joe Brown was Rocky Marciano's sparring partner for seven of his eight title fights. Oh, he's he's seen and, he's, yeah. uh, he's seen, <laughs> he's seen some. He's been in the shit. That's for sure. Yeah. Wow. Oh, dude, right, man. And actually, you know, Rocky Marshall said that Joe Brown, Brown was the hardest-hitting man he'd ever fought. Wow. Um, the Hoods tried to make him the next great white hope, but he saw where all Rocky Marciano's money went, and he said no. He, he kept fighting smokers in Cuba and, um, you know, in South America. And um, and so when I got on set, it was kind of funny. Uh, um, I got, I showed up blimp because I had another show that I hadn't wrapped yet. And, um, so everybody had been in the ring with Joe, and they said, hey, John, Jimmy, Jimmy, step in with Joe. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, uh, the guy's in his 60s. Now, I'm in my 60s now. I, I didn't understand then. I was young and, you know, in, in my 30s. And, and so I, I threw a few jabs out there. And he goes, oh, come on, Jimmy. You can throw better than that. And I was like, all right, you, you old dog. I'm going to knock your ass out. And <laughs> I threw hard on him. Man, he, he slipped a punch and hit me with a heart punch that just my whole body took a shit. I mean, that guy hit me so doggone. It was like a mule kicking me, man. I bought a mistake that night. I bought a mistake dinner. <laughs> got, got heart punched and bought a mistake. That's that's when you were definitely owned owned by a master for sure. Yeah, that's that's great, man. Um, oh well, yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so yeah, um, like it definitely shows that you're in 
peak physical form in this film. Like, literally, my wife and I, when we were watching it together, we watched it actually at home on Peacock. Um, Likewise, yeah. And uh, we were watching some of those scenes where you literally were picking people up and, like, eviscerating them. And we both commented as we watched that, like, this is a slight departure for Michael Myers in that he's got superhuman strength, it feels like. But then we both backed up and we paused the movie and we talked about it for a second and we realized that, like, the original John Carpenter Halloween... He shot like six times and falls out of a second story window and then just walks away. Well, and actually, I will say so he's like, always yeah, had the super strength. And which, which was one of the other things I liked about this, and I'll let you go back to your point in a second. Is uh, is there even though the second Halloween technically doesn't exist in this universe, the 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 sake of them just picking up where it left off in Halloween two, the original Halloween, yeah, like redoing is the exact, Halloween two, yes, kinda. is exactly the same thing where just it picks up where the first movie left off. Anyway, yeah, sorry, I just uh, hijacked your your uh, point there. No, just I was trying to think about uh, previous people who played Michael Myers when seeing that scene and how they've done different iterations. Like, I know in uh, the H2O universe, if you will, the, the the MCU of, you know, Halloween has the H2O-verse. Well, which actually, I didn't realize, you sent me uh, an infographic, Scott. Showing had, the had the, that there, there are multiple timelines, obviously the Rob Zombie Halloweens, but there are multiple timelines. I didn't realize because I saw H2O when I was, I don't know, 20 years old yeah, or something. But uh, in that universe, like, he kickboxes uh, Buster Rhymes. And in other <laughs> in other universes, like, he basically <laughs> can, be, he can be shot over and over and over and survive it like a walking tank. Um, and these are famous actors like Kane Hodder who did this, and I was just curious if you had any inputs or thought onto how they did shift the character into being the classic Michael Myers that's a superhuman, and how you felt the new superhuman version that exists now on the screen compares to the older versions like the previous actors who played him. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think the idea is there is no comparison. Um, you know, in, in our universe, there is no such thing. It's, all, it's referred to as urban myth. Everything after uh, Halloween 1978, although I do think you guys are right. I think they paid tribute to Rick Rosenthal's ho- uh, sequel. Um, and Rick Rosenthal is a you know, remarkably talented director. Um, so they paid uh, Dick Warlock, played, uh, played the shape in, in the second one. And he's he and he also is a very very talented, deeply spiritual um, actor and stuntman. Primarily a stuntman, but has you know like myself and and a few others you know really really um, deep acting chops. Um, and, and a lot of people don't realize that you know I mean you know the suits at, at, in the executives at Universal Studios you know might say you know you just put, throw throw a mask on a stuntman anybody can do it. But you know ask David Gordon Green or Jamie Lee Curtis and they'll tell you no 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 no. In fact Jamie called me um, she called me right before we had agreed not to talk. Jamie and I had agreed not to talk in earnest until the end, until we shoot Halloween ends and we're wrapped and then we'll sit down and we'll have dinner and we'll, you know, because there, we have very similar ideologies in terms of, you know, our worldview. And, um, we had agreed not to talk, but before she went to Venice, because the film premiered at the Venice film festival, she called and was just incredibly complimentary of, uh, in, of my work and, and, you know, what I brought to the character, the gravitas I brought to the set. Um, I, I think that you know you have to look at David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. They they have such incredible vision. They have such an incredible understanding of mythology and the human condition. And you know, so the work that we did based on what David and Danny created, um, I think, was a natural progression for uh, a being that has been locked down for forty years and and fermenting and 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 you know just it was just like ready to boil over. Yeah, I like um, that. Well said. So yeah. I think that. 
you know, it's, I think it was a natural progression um, if you really look at it. Now, you, uh, you mentioned that the original Halloween 2 had, uh, what was the actor's name who played Michael Myers in Halloween 2? Dick Warlock. Yeah, yeah. Did, he, uh, did he get any kind of an invite to the set for this being technically, you know, a new sequel replacing the old sequels? No, no, no. Um, they brought in, um, so, the, so the, the, the through line of this was the, uh, this, uh, 1978, you know, Nick Castle played the original. So since this was, uh, 2018 was a sequel, um, they brought uh, Nick Castle in like in the third week or so. Uh, he, and by the way, Nick and I have never talked about this, this character. He and I are very good friends. We, we talk on the phone or text weekly. Um, we have dinner every chance we get when I'm on the, East Co- on the West Coast. I live on the East Coast now. Um, uh, you know, we, we have a very, very close friendship. Um, but when he showed up, we were hoping that, you know, because he was showing up to do a cameo. So we were hoping that we would get to do embody, you know, in the, the same scene. And we got our wish. Uh, David put us in the same scene where from a long shot, you see Nick in the costume and in the mask um, in, the, in, in the window. But when Jamie, as you know, Laurie Strode picks up her rifle and shoots, it's me in the mirror. Um, and it makes sense because, you know, for two reasons, uh, one, you know, the mask is built to my face. It was formed over my face. So anybody else puts that mask on, it will be distorted. Um, so you can't get a close up on somebody else wearing that mask. And the second thing is, um, when we shot the mirror out, the special effects, um, master, um, Heath Hood, who's, who's brilliant. Um, he was about two feet behind me, um, and shot the projectile into the mirror at about six inches from my head, it whizzed past my. I could hear it. I could hear the the, the whistle. Um, you wouldn't put in a castle in that in that place. I live for that shit. So you know, <laughs> big difference there. And and then you know, you flash forward to Halloween Kills. Um, the spirit of Nick is still there. He's not in the movie. He's not in physically in Halloween Kills. But um, when when you see me as Michael Myers as the shape um, pursuing my prey. You hear the breathing in the mask. The breathing is Nick Castle doing a voiceover. So the spirit of Nick Castle is in Halloween Kills, the, 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 the breath of life. So Nick Castle created that character in 1978. He did that one cameo scene in, in 2018 to pass the torch or pass the mask, if you will. And then in Halloween Kills, he's physically not present, but the spirit, the breath of life is still there from Nick Castle. That's really cool. It's really yeah, nice touch. It's, it's 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 beautiful. It's also just like a, a, that kind of that subtlety as a nod, not just to the. I, th- I think that speaks to the respect of getting people like David Gordon Green, um, you know, to to come on and, and really appreciate the, uh, you know, the, the 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 nuance and the and having fans essentially write and direct the movie. They're like, I would want this. This needs to go in there. And I don't know if that was their decision or not, but it just seems like there are so many people surrounding this movie that absolutely loved and respected the original where they're like, listen, we're, we're it's going to make a buttload of money. That's going to be awesome. That's great. But we are going to also make sure that these fans who have been there since, I mean, I can't say I was there since 1978, but the 1978 version that I saw when I was probably 10 years old in 1990 or whatever, like has been a part of my heart and one of the most important franchises of my horror life, which is just my life. My life is horror. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not not in a negative way. Sorry, <laughs> my life is horror. Like, yeah, uh, our, our fandom knows no bounds when yes. it comes to horror. Yes, absolutely. So, like, to, to to have other people be willing to notice that and that 
paying that respect and do and, and that kind of take, that, that takes time. That takes time getting another human being involved, also making sure that they don't feel like they're slighted by not you know being involved in this movie. Just be like, hey man, we're moving on. It's not you anymore, you old bastard. You know, but like no, this is it, it's I knowing that now. I mean, I want to go back and, and rewatch that movie just with that in mind. I mean, yeah. it's gonna it's, it, it adds to the rewatchability, adds to the respect of the directors, the actors, uh, the writers, everybody involved. And I think so many people coming on are just fans of the uh, of the Halloween franchise from the get go, or maybe from the '90s or whatever, and they're going to appreciate that kind of thing. And I love that attention to detail, and I love that they did that. Well, and that comes from the first of all the respect for the franchise that David Gordon Green and Danny McBride have, but also. Uh, I mean, so they're fans. Um, so that's where all the Easter eggs come in, all the, the other references, the subtle references and sometimes overt references to the other films that we consider mythology. You know, so the little Easter eggs for the true Halloween fans, for the true horror fans, they're all over the place in 2018 and in Kills, um, which again goes back to David's respect for the franchise and his immense respect for the fans. I mean, it, it's, it's, he really, really cares I'm actually wondering now if I went back and watched it, like they do, you know, it's Halloween. So I'm wondering if there's ever a uh, mask from Halloween 3, the one Halloween movie that oh. didn't have Michael Myers. <laughs> if there's one of those uh, those evil yeah. mind control masks, like hidden within a scene. Happy Halloween. I'm sorry, I'm going to yeah. stick that stuck in everybody's head now. <laughs> the Halloween yeah. movie where evil Irish CEOs try to use Stonehenge against kids. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> Classic Michael Myers. <laughs> Although during that entire movie, they did play ads and play the movie Halloween. Yes, it, it was I, on TV. And, and, and I will say, the, and the way that I, I stand up for that Halloween three to get off on another tangent is that that is actually probably the first Halloween, other than the first Halloween, to have actually followed John Carpenter's vision of what he wanted that Halloween, not franchise, but anthology series to be. Yeah. Granted, I am very happy it turned out the way that it did because I am very happy that we have this new halloween and we had all, all the crap i mean if there was an Ant i'm okay with even the h2o universe with buster rhymes kickbox and I, michael myers and i'm gonna bring that up every time i get a chance to because i well, first, <laughs> first of all because i want to i definitely want to see james Jude courtney fight uh, uh buster rhymes so it'd be great if we could have a replay <laughs> if we could just have a replay of that but you know like uh something like hey you know those four people that remember this happened uh <laughs> we're gonna do this we'll have to start an online petition to get buster rhymes <laughs> to be in the last yeah. halloween ends yeah well, we've got three people james Drew courtney uh scott bear and jeremiah johnson have all signed the petition and oddly enough that's that's enough um yeah <laughs> um yeah, we. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I, we we absolutely love the franchise, and it, it's great that that there are fans. It's been around so long, which is not always the way with the franchise. A lot of times, franchises are bang, bang, bang. You get them out as fast as possible. Um, but when you actually are when when they allow f essentially fans from the get go to then come aboard and recreate the franchise or reboot the franchise, and in this case, uh, create a direct sequel to the very first of the franchise. It's it's very refreshing to know that they're there for us because they are one of us. And I, like, as a fan, I can say that wholeheartedly. Oh man, I got to tell you, everybody on that set has a Halloween story. Everybody who worked on that set, I mean, every department, you know, every single department, somebody was affected by the original Halloween some way. And and usually there's stories of kids peeing in beds and you know all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and David Gordon Green was one of those kids. I mean, he. Uh, he, he was not allowed to watch the film. He was too young, but he ended up spending the night at a friend's house with a bunch of other kids, and they watched Halloween, and he was so scared his dad had to come get him. 
All right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears on you a little bit here. This next question is kind of a uh, breaking from the mold of what we talked about before. It's based on another interview you did, and this is a very famous interview. It's TMZ, and Ooh. it has made the rounds that you said you took inspiration. For your character by living with a hitman and living in a psych ward for a little bit with people who had killed. And basically, everywhere I've looked and I've done some wicked digging, I haven't been able to really get a lot of expansion on that. No corroboration, no expansion other than the, the, the initial? Well, yeah. basically, I, I want details. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that, that's we're, we're looking for the dirty, deep details. Uh, I'm not looking for names. I, I don't want to out anyone. <laughs> yeah. But, um, for instance, living within the psych community, uh, can you just expand on that a little bit for us? Sure. Uh, it was my very first film. It was initially called Breakdown. Um, uh, Paul Winters directed it. Uh, he's still a very, very dear friend. Uh, in fact, we have a, a project that we're working on together a, a, as we speak. Um, so it was our first film. Neither one of us, none of us knew what we were doing. Um, and, 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 it, and the film probably reflects that to, to some degree. It was, it was called Breakdown. And then when the, it was a, a canon film. And so when Nakam Golan saw it, um, at that time, uh, there were a bunch of rash of freeway killings in Los Angeles. He saw me driving. Uh, I killed a, a semi truck truck driver and um, stole his truck. And um, and he said, "Freeway maniac, freeway maniac. It's a freeway maniac." That's and there's no freeway in it, but that's Menachem Golan. Um, so when we were preparing to do the film, um, Paul had arranged for me to stay in a psych ward, in a lockdown psych ward, with uh, paranoid schizophrenics who had, uh, had committed murder. Um, so I had a, had an orderly there with me. Um, instructing me. I had a psychiatrist explaining to me what was going on. And basically I got to sit with, uh, my favorite was a guy who, um, was a paranoid schizophrenic. He was in college. He felt like he was being electro, uh, electrocuted, like electroshocked. And every time he was shocked in his mind, um, he was told to go kill his grandmother. So he went over to his grandmother's house and while she was cooking him a chicken sandwich, he stabbed him. He stabbed her seventeen times. I mean, he's, you know, my kind of guy. So, you know, I, I sat there and and you know had these conversations with these guys and <clears throat> sort of got in their heads. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a it was a, a, a valuable valuable experience. I carried it with me. I'm, I have very clear memory of lots of it. Um, it was a it was, it was a really really cool thing to do in terms of character study. So they basically, were you, you were allowed to go in for like day trips essentially and be like supervised with them? Yeah, but I was there, I mean, I was there pretty much 24-7. I, 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 I barely left. Um, I, I got to sleep in a, in a cell and it was, a, you know, with, with steel doors. Um, I got to have the whole experience. Um, you know, and for instance, I would, be, um, uh, I would be in the cafeteria line getting food and... Um, and I don't drink milk. And so, you know, the guy, the, 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 uh, the cafeteria, um, hand would put a, put a carton of milk on my tray. And I said, no, thanks. I don't want it. I don't drink milk. And the orderly comes up behind me and says, no, what you would do is you would take the milk, but because you don't want it, you'd walk over to one of those guys and spill it on his head. And so, you know, I started learning how the passive aggressive nature of the, these psychopathic killers works. Uh, at another point, um, by that time, I had been schooled by these people. At another point, um, a particularly aggressive inmate um, uh, came over and um, uh, he put his um, 
uh, he, he stepped on my foot. And by that time, I had learned. So he walked away and stared at me. I walked over and stomped on his foot. And then, so what we did is we were establishing who the alpha in the word was. And, um, and so that process taught me, you know, much about the, the processes that go on in the mind of a psychopathic killer or a paranoid schizophrenic. So, um, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was, it was a, a very, very valuable lesson. That's the hell of a character study, man. That's a, that's a lot of work to do. And I mean, yeah. it, it sounds a wow. lot, it sounds not unlike, you know, what they say about the prison system or anything like that, where you're, you know, if you're, you know, secluded with a bunch of people where there is this, especially, you know, a bunch of males where there is a very alpha beta relationship where you kind of need to, you know, again, go in, you like stab the biggest guy in the prison, even if it yeah. gets you in solitary. And I'm, I'm guessing in these, these kind of situations, it's, it's gotta be the same, hopefully not the same on a movie set when you actually go in and apply this to a movie, but uh, who knows what, you know, uh, who, <laughs> I, I don't know what actors, I mean, I don't know what you had to do. I mean, you already bare, bare knuckle boxed uh, 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 Tom Cruise in this episode, so I don't know what else, <laughs> what else you got. But, no, I, uh, I, I have to say thank you very much for the detail. I was curious about that. Um, yeah. my, my wife personally, she uh, she works for a very small, uh, we, we're in Vermont, Vermont so every, yeah. everything's small here. Everything's small, yeah. But a small, uh, <laughs> a small psych lockdown facility where she's one of the uh, the people in charge, well, not in charge, but... In charge of the people around her when yeah, she's you're there. Yeah, always, you always yes. have to be in charge if you work at one of those places. My, mo- she, my mother worked at one of those places as well, and, yep. and it's uh, a couple of those places. It's harrowing. And, and I, I hear little she came, stories. She came, back, she came back with bruises, and yeah. she, you know, she, it comes over the story she's not allowed to tell for legal purposes, and it's, you, yeah. you, you have to, you, I mean, it's... It's it's. Yeah, she, she, my wife does the night shift. I drop her off at seven and nine, pick her up at seven in the morning. So yeah. she she's a different person. She, when you, yeah. She's very awake when I pick her up at seven a.m. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, she's been her foot's been stomped on. We got to give her James Courtney uh, James and Courtney's <laughs> advice of just step yeah. on that motherfucker's foot. That's all there is to it. So. Yeah, or spill milk over his head. I yeah, mean, yeah. yeah. Man. I don't like milk. Bam. Then yeah. it's good. All right. Um, I don't know if I want to go any further with that personally. Uh, we, we, we actually that that was great. I, I think we've gotten everything we need from that. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that I, I'm actually really uh, appreciative of that detail. I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, this. I was like, this might be a like a sensitive subject. You know, people can't. Yeah, talk he about didn't tell things. TMZ all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we are better than TMZ. I, I, well, actually, that's our tagline. <laughs> that that is our that podcast, is our tagline. Yes, definitely better than TMZ, but nothing else. <laughs> That's so good. All right. Um, okay, so we uh, we did the ten questions last time you were on the show, and we're not going to rehash that. We never do that for a returning guest. But I did have some small inane questions that aren't so big as like career, Halloween, the movie, etc. More small scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And honestly, I'm just curious. How do you treat Halloween as an adult as yourself? Well, especially like, as, like as, the, the the occasion. Especially, the I, I would say like I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you, you've been the shape slash Michael Myers for three years now. Like, I mean, not only how did you treat it, but like, I mean, is, is I there, guess is, past and present, yeah. Yeah, is, is there now, like, I don't even a pressure to treat it differently than you did in, you know, 2017? No, not at all. I mean, I mean, that's, you know, that that is a, I hold that in a compartment somewhere in my being. Um, it's what I do. It's, it's my profession. And I leave it. I leave my work at the workplace. Um, so there's, the, you know, there's, there's, I don't carry it with me, which has actually kept me sane because, 
Um, you know, David Gordon Green told me when we were shooting 2018 that he'd only worked with one other actor who could go as deep and dark as I had gone for this character. Tom Cruise. And he said this particular <laughs> actor had a psychotic break. Yeah. <laughs> and he had a, he, this particular actor had a psychotic break and ended up in a psych ward for two months. And so, um, but I'm well schooled with, um, you know, I've done a lot of psychological, emotional work. I've done a lot of spiritual work. I've worked with shaman doing plant medicine in South America. I worked with African shaman doing ibogaine. I've done ayahuasca in South America. I've done peyote with Native Americans in North America. I've been to some really dark places, and you know, and then in real life, you know, I've had a gun to my head. No, I've had guns to my head, and I've I've been in you know violent situations in in my real life, and um, so you learn how to compartmentalize these things. And my ability to breathe that character into me, do my job, and then breathe it out is what keeps me sane and keeps it compartmentalized. As far as Halloween goes. Um, because the pandemic is lifting, uh, Sarah and I will have candy at the door and I'll be in civilian clothes and nobody will know who I am. Oh, you're not going to go for Michael Myers at the door. You're not going <laughs> to slash, <laughs> slash some children up. Um, I, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, that's, I, I, I like hearing that. That's great. Um, I, I did actually, I still have some questions about, uh, I mean, do you want to ask the question we're both wanting to ask? You just mentioned you've had a gun to your head before. Yes. I, I was, I was, what I was going to say is, that, yo, James. Wait, wait, it's, James, it's, the, James, it's James. the elephant with the smoking gun yeah, in the room. James, you, <laughs> you, you dropped so much shit in that 13 seconds. And I just, I mean, we're not going to ask about everything. You know, I was, I was making a note to, to, uh, to Scott being like, he means drugs. And then you mentioned ayahuasca. So I was like, you know what, what, but. Then the gun came to your head, and you don't have to talk about it. But uh, if there's a story, curious. we'd love to hear the story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's something I'll leave uh, behind just to say that I've been um, confronted with violent situations and managed to get myself out of them pretty cleanly. Um, you know, I do actually have a, I, I do have another uh, Halloween specific uh, filming specific question here um, because we have uh, at least I mean maybe maybe I've uh, I need some more updated information, but as of August. It was noted that uh, I, I believe Halloween Ends is going to, I believe, shoot in January of 2022, 2022. Yes, it is. Um, and uh, and uh, I know that you know there have been there's been talks about like whether and I, I, this actually goes back also. I guess the first question I would have is were there many changes between because I know that Halloween 2018 came out and there was talk about shooting uh, uh, Halloween Kills and Ends back-to-back back and writing them back-to-back. Back. But I know that the scripts were written. Um, how many changes were maybe uh, done uh, that you were unaware of between uh, Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills and whether or not you expect that kind of change? Like, do you do you know what's going on? You don't have to tell us. I'm not going to be like, yo, give us some spoilers. NDAs and such. Yes, yeah. I'm, we're, we're not expecting that out of this. We just want to, like, have, have your time. But uh, uh, are you expecting a lot of changes between... Uh, the, because based on the, you know, specific reception of Halloween Kills of whether or not, uh, you know, uh, McBride and Green are going to go back and like revise things, or do you think that like what you've seen is going to be what you get when you uh, jump back in, hopefully in 2022? Well, um, I, Dave and I agreed to wait until the Halloween Ends script was was you know 90% complete. Um, because scripts are always, it's a, it's a living, breathing being. It's always morphing. It's always shifting and changing. And David will rewrite something right, right on the day, right, right in the moment. He'll not like something. He'll pull out his laptop and just tap out a new scene with, with input from the people he's working with, myself included. Um, but so 
because of the nature of how I work with this particular character, I don't want to know too much. I want to know the, the, the parameters of the sandbox. I want to know what we're doing. Since I don't have to memorize lines, I want to stay deep in the integrity of the character that I've created. So, um, so you know, when it came time for Halloween Kills, it was a few months before we shot it. David sent me a script. We talked about it, we, and then we left it lie. Um, and David, so we're shooting in January. David probably sent me the script uh, two months ago. And, um, and knowing that it, it was about at 80% or so, so I know the parameters of what we're dealing with. I would say if you look at the trajectory, the arc of this story that David and Danny have created, um, the one thing I have to say is trust DGG, trust, trust David. Um, the, the man's vision is impeccable. And um, so it, it's going, he's, he's, he's going to bring things in the way he did for Halloween Kills. The trajectory is going to be different. Um, it's going to flesh out areas that you might not expect. And, um, and, and Matt, Andy Matichek and I have talked about this, you know, having, I've played team sports, you know, football and basketball and, um, Andy was a D one scholarship athlete. Uh, she played soccer. Her dad played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, she and I have talked about this is like one of the mo most important things you can do as a team athlete is buy into the coach's program. If there's any chance of a championship, if there's any chance of a winning season, you've got to buy into the coach's program. And we 100% buy into David Gordon Green's program. And so there are things that you don't even understand, but you, you buy, for instance, um, you know, when they, they shoot the, um, they shot the, the flashback scenes, um, uh, in 19, for 1978, I read the script and in my mind I'm going, or when I heard they were bringing somebody else in to play that and in my mind, I'm going, well, wait a minute, I'm an actor. I can embody any kind of energy. Um, I, I can shift, I can morph. I'm, you know, that's what we do. Um, but after I, wa after I saw the screening in, uh, at Blumhouse, David called me like right away. He called me. So I so shape, what do you think? He calls me shape. So shape, what do you think? And we had this long talk and, and I said, you know, I, I had this question as to why you had somebody other than myself play that, that role. Um, and then I realized, um, he did it and I saw it and it's evident that the person playing that role is younger than myself, is smaller than I am and doesn't move with the same physical power that I do. Not to say that he's, you know what I mean? So now they looked at 200 as, as I, as I have been told, they looked at over 200 people to find somebody who moved like I move and they can't, they couldn't find anybody, but they settled on Aaron Armstrong, who was the stunt coordinator. And one of the most important aspects of what Aaron did and does is that amongst the martial arts I've, I've practiced and that Aaron has practiced Aikido is one of the arts we've practiced. And in Aikido, you don't lift your feet up. You don't kick. It's a very gliding, like smooth, um, art. It's very circular. And so, um, it, you move from your hara, which is about two inches below your belly button. Most people move head first or heart first or crotch first. But you, when you move from your hara, you tend to be very erect and you, you move, you glide, you don't, you don't walk, you glide, you float. So, um, Aaron, it turns out was the perfect choice for that. And, you know, that goes back to buying into the program. I didn't understand why David was doing what he's doing, but it proved to be just one more instance of David Gordon Green knowing exactly what he was doing. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea that a second actor actually played that role. No, not my, me neither. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Aaron's, um, 
Aaron, I, I think Aaron did an amazing job. I'm, I'm really, I'm really proud of him. Oh, most definitely. If I couldn't tell the difference between he and you for that one scene, I mean, it was a quick scene, but um, yeah, props to him for being able to do the mimicking that was required to actually bring the character from past to present and not make the transition wonky or weird. Like it wasn't a 400 pound guy in a fat suit, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or some string bean little, so, yeah, little yeah, guy. Just some just, producer's cousin. This knife is yeah. heavy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I, 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 I will say like that, that attention to detail, which is a little, uh, like the ten, breathing also t- tangential, uh, but also, uh, related is, um, which I don't think uh, those two things are opposite. Um, <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> tangential, but related is the, um, the attention to detail on getting the combination of a voice alike for Donald Pleasance's character with a look alike for Donald Pleasance's character. By the way, we're gonna give spoiler alerts for this. Uh, By the way, I was curious if part, the, yes, I was curious if it was a look alike or if they CG. I, so I, I looked. That's why I looked it up. It was so good that I had to look up. Did I literally my my Google search is like is Donald Pleasant's AI, and then Google's like I know what you mean, and then just it answered the question for me, and it was that there was a look alike. Uh, meets the sound alike, which is already on the 2018 version as well on the phone. Yeah. So they they combine the two of them, and oh my god, I was like, this is this is too perfect. So like again, attention to detail. Be like, yo, if if it was just the suits choosing this, they'd be like, yeah, just get some 400 pound, the same 400 pound fat guy that played child, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 Mike Myers, Michael Myers, not Mike Myers, uh, Michael Myers. <laughs> Play uh, Donald Pleasance. Why? Why not? Be like because people will notice, and people will notice, and they notice when you put the attention to detail in there. And it's Absolutely. So. I think it was brilliant. They, I mean, they didn't know who they were going to use, and yeah. Tom Jones Jr. was, you know, he's he's the set construction for him. Yes, I, mean, I, I saw that. Know, yes. <laughs> Get the gaffer. Isn't that crazy. And like, <laughs> yeah. I, first, first of all, I was like, wait a minute, no, is this not, like the Tom not, Jones? No, no, yeah. Tom Jones Jr. Yeah, yeah, no, right. Like, Jones. he's just got panties yeah. on his face. You know, yeah. <laughs> no. But you know, it's also due. I mean, he looks a lot like Donald Pleasance, but then does, the yeah. mastery of Christopher Nelson. You know, the, the, the prosthetics that he built. Yes. To create that face. Oh my god. Oh, it, it, it was. It was. Set, it was, was so much that I was like, oh my god, they must have had like AI. Like you, you, like you thought, Scott. Like yeah. they must have done some CGI. I thought it was. A, I thought it was, a, thought it was a deep fake. Yes, essentially, you could do a deep fake. They they probably could have done a deep fake Donald Pleasance, uh, which is the uh, worst porn channel I've ever heard of. But I just want to make a could, deep fake yeah. Donald Pleasance app to see it bomb yeah. in the App Store. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only deep fake it does. So you'd be like, yeah, we're like, well, we can make a bunch of great Halloween movies. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because I, I loved. I'm I'm a huge Donald Pleasance fan, and so when I saw that, I'm like, oh my god, did they deep fake him? And so that's when I started looking it up and saw Tom Jones Jr., who had been working on movies forever, and was just like, hey man, you want to just like you know be an actor now? And it's like, yeah, of course I do. Um, so that was that was really great. Um, just, again, the attention to detail. They could have they could have done anything, and people still would have watched the movie. And you know, we we still would have watched the movie. But I'm so I'm so glad that like these. Uh, you know, last two entries, and I'm expecting the next entry to be amazing. So, you know, a little pressure on you there, James Jude Courtney, and the rest of the, the <laughs> gag. Um, you know, to do that. But, um, you know, we, we definitely want to thank you for, you know, coming back on the show. We hope we can get you back for the next one because in about a year from now, as far as I'm, as far as I know, hopefully the whole world knows, is that you know, I mean, hey, maybe even next time. As much as I loved watching it on Peacock, we won't have to release it on Peacock, and people will be able to just go out to the theaters, enjoy this. Y'all make another 200 mil or whatever the hell you 
your freaking first movie made and uh <laughs> you know and, and just and just and, and we get to uh, uh i want to i want to witness halloween ends first of all i don't want to witness halloween ends but i do want to say i know it's going to be a trilogy i want to watch that on the big screen and uh we want to talk to you afterwards and we just really appreciate you coming on and talking about this one to us and uh you know you've been giving us your time for the last couple of years few years now and um you know you're you're a great spirit for doing so we love hearing your stories we really appreciate you showing up oh thanks man i mean it's, it's a blast i mean i mean th this is one of the side benefits of doing what i do th this stuff is so much fun you guys are great it's it's fun to have fun like you know, in, in the aftermath of, of working so hard. And it's really, man, it's really special to know that, that people, I mean, you guys, I, I'm sure you guys feel this too. It's, it's wonderful to do something that you love and to do it well enough that somebody else cares enough to, to look and listen. That was a really good interview. I'm super glad he decided to come back and join us again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, the, the talk we had where it sounds like he's coming back again. This I know. Coming year. I'm very excited for that, too. I'll keep in touch with him. It's, it's really it's really nice because, you know, we going in, we want to be respectful of uh, the guest time and things like that. So we're, we come in ready to, like, if we need to make this a 15-minute thing because they got to get out. So it's always nice when we give them that option. They're like, no, man, I want to keep talking. Especially he's been crazy busy. He's a lot of press junkets, so for him to take the time to, uh, you know, spend chatting with us, it feels legit. I think, I hope he felt the same way. Like, he gets to have a I real think, conversation. I think the love was mutual. I think it was. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. I was him again for a while. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we really appreciate that for, from him. And, man, can't wait to chat with him again and see what uh, Halloween brings us for the, uh, this, at least this trilogy, for, trilogy's finale. But, uh, yeah, really appreciate that. James Jude Courtney, hope you all enjoyed what he had to say. Um, honestly, we're, I'm just going to go out uh, on you know a song we've gone out a few times before on, and that's my version of Halloween, the emo version of uh, Michael Myers. Don't call me Monster. Call me, it's called me Michael, that's it. Yeah. Call me Michael by Sonic Jalopy. And uh, until next time, folks, I hope you all have a happy Halloween, had a great Halloween month, and get lost. Get lost. I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. Halloween night, 1963. Got my clown suit on and I'm ready. What happened next? I blocked out the memory. Blood on my shoes and Judith dead at my feet. I scream ran out the front door Thought mom and dad they would save me They just threw me in a hole Neglect the thought of my existence Replace the boy with the devil in their heads Don't call me monster please Just call me Michael I got a chest full of breath And a heart that beats in it I just want another chance to be The son that I know I can be Fifteen years filled with darkness Fifteen birthdays without a family If there's a devil inside It was fashioned by your hands Time robbed my youth of a soul And my humanity Don't call me monster, please Just call me Michael I got a chest full of breath And a heart that beats in it I just want another chance To be the son that I know I can be 
Don't call me monster, please Just call me Michael I got a chest full of breath And a heart that beats in it I just want another chance To be the son that I know I can be